Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Five o'clock hour, Dana Altman will be joining us, the University of Oregon men's basketball coach. They got a big week this week. They're going to Arizona and Arizona State. And uh, it'll be incumbent on Thursday as they're in Tucson and on Saturday when they are in Tempe for Oregon to play well. Like, that's what they need. They need to play well. Tony in Oregon City's called in. Rob Nyer will be coming along. He's the West Coast League commissioner. And Tony in Oregon City hung up. Uh, look, am I wrong on the Myers-Leonard thing? You tell me. 503-417-7575. You tell me. Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. Because there's only two ways. If somebody says what Myers Leonard said, there's only two possible outcomes here, in my mind, that are just. Either you keep the door open for Myers Leonard to come back to the NBA and you say, look, we did this for Kyrie. We're going to do it for, uh, you know, for for Myers as well. Um, or you slam the door shut altogether. And nobody gets back in for saying a horrific, idiotic, stupid thing. No second chances. Uh, you say something idiotic and stupid and offensive, you're gone. No longer will you be part of the league. Um, I, I don't know. There's only two paths back as I see it. Um Let's go to the phone lines. Tony in Oregon City has called back in. Tony, what's on your mind, man? Hey, John. Um, I'm a Jewish man. Um, it's it's a tough call, um, but I also don't agree that um, Myers Leonard should be penalized as much as um, he is compared to what everybody else isn't. Um, I'd like to see money coming from the, the wealthy and pass it down to Myers Leonard and anybody else that's dumb enough to do something as stupid as that. That being said, I like the fact that if someone utters it, regardless of what it is, it's a matter of hate, and they should be out of the league. Thanks, John. Yeah, I appreciate the call. I, I think the double standard is what uh, bothers me, um, but I think Myers Leonard definitely suspended and gone out of the league because he's not been a great player on the court. Again, I said LeBron says the same thing. It's a one-game suspension. It's a fine apologizes, meets with the rabbi, makes a donation to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, J- the Jewish community, and uh, then he's back in uniform. And that's just the reality of it. Uh, we're going to talk to Rob Nyer, longtime uh, reporter on the Major League Baseball beat, and uh, we'll be talking to him about Major League Baseball to Portland. We'll be talking to him about his league. He's got, you know, it's fantastic. It's an interesting transition. You talk about media member to, uh, you know, entity, West Coast League Baseball Commissioner. 
Um, and and for people who know Rob Nyer's work, uh, you know he he uh, is a uh, a Bill James guy, ESPN.com columnist. Uh, you know, heavily successful guy in Major League Baseball, and of course, somebody who is trusted and has written, uh, you know, many books over the years, from uh, his big books, big book of baseball blunders, big book of baseball lineups, big book of baseball legends. Rob Nyer is joining us now. How are you, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for making time for us. John, it's great to be here. Thank you. Where are you in Kansas City, or where are you living? Are you in Portland? Where Where's home? I am in bucolic St. John's, Portland. Wow, there you go. I love that. Uh, and when you are, when we start talking about your transition from author, media member, columnist at ESPN to now being, you know, the commissioner of the West Coast League. You know, give me that pivot. What was that like for you? And is that something you always you were always into, or what happened there? It is a completely bizarre, random thing that happened. Uh, and you know, look, I've been very lucky in my career. A lot of good things have come my way, uh, and often I just sort of fell into them. But this is probably is the champion of me falling into things. I was just about to finish a book. Uh, a book called Powerball. This was, gosh, now five years ago. And I spoke at the local baseball old-timers banquet. You've probably been been involved with that at some point. And um, uh, there was someone in the, in the crowd who heard my, my talk. I had prepared a, a talk regarding baseball history and uh, its place in American society. And... At that exact moment, the West Coast League was looking for a new commissioner. And for whatever reason, this person thought it might be a good fit. We got together, and uh, again, I have no idea why they thought I would be a good fit, because I'd never done anything like this before. But we had a good, nice breakfast together, and I spoke to all or almost all of the owners in the league, and, and they hired me. Rob Nyer, our guest, uh, you were at ESPN.com, probably wrote more words for ESPN than anyone uh, in uh, about a 15-year period uh, that ended in 2010. What was that like to be at the, the ESPN mothership? Well, you know, obviously there's a certain level of legitimacy that comes with those four letters. I, I, I have regretted for some time that I never really took advantage. It, it wasn't until later in my writing career that I really wanted, felt confident enough or energetic enough to branch out and try some other kinds of writing. But for most of my, my time there, I was writing basically as an outsider, uh, essentially as a blogger, even before that, that, that word existed. Later, I realized that what I really wanted to do was be a reporter and talk to people, but I just didn't do much of that when I was at ESPN, so I didn't take advantage of all the, you know, I could have opened so many more doors when I was there just because I was at ESPN, but it was great. I mean, I got to spend some time in Bristol. I got to be on ESPN News for a few years with Brian Kenny every, once every week. Uh, And obviously, the truth is that a lot of the opportunities that I have had during and since my time at ESPN were because I was at ESPN. I don't think I would have gotten to write eight books 
if not for being there. So it just uh, it was it was a lucky break getting there in the first place, and and uh, that led to a lot of uh, a lot of great things for me. Rob, there's uh, oh you know you know you live here you you know the MLB PDX effort in the appetite from uh, the baseball community in the region. Um, you know, as you see the landscape, Rob Manfred, you know, has teased us over the years. How serious do you think baseball is about expansion? And then beyond that, can Portland be a player in your mind? I do believe that Portland can be a player, along with four or five other markets. You might have already spoken about those different places on your show over the last few months or years. Certainly we've read a lot about Las Vegas and Memphis and various Nashville, excuse me, and various other places, San Antonio. Look, there there aren't any sure things out there. There really aren't. I think that the only sure things are not going to happen. For example, you could probably put a team in New Jersey and do as well or better than anywhere else that people talk about. But the Yankees and the Mets and the Phillies aren't going to allow that. So what you're left with are question marks, places where you don't know for sure what's going to happen. I think Portland sort of sits squarely in that group. Um, I think what's always been missing for me, and I know my friend Dwight James has said that there's a big money person somewhere. We just haven't, we don't, we don't, we're not allowed to know who that is. But I don't think anything makes sense in any market, and certainly not in this market, unless someone comes through and says, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm the billionaire who's going to cover any overages. And obviously the public financing piece is, is going to be a sticking point because it's just there are very few people out there, very few owners, uh, very few billionaires, very few groups who are willing to pay full freight for a stadium in this era. And so I, I think that that's the missing piece that, Leaving aside the weather and the, the the questions about the market size and questions about the Mariners and their willingness to go along with anything, you still got to have somebody out there who's willing to commit a huge amount of money. And uh, we haven't seen who that person is yet. The health of baseball in general, when I say that, you know, uh, I thought it was encouraging this week that Tampa looks like they want to try to do some things to, to you know, build that fan base in that stadium in a way that works. Uh, Oakland remains a problem, but, you know, maybe beyond that, Rob, what do you see in MLB in your expertise uh, over the years? Well, one thing that I know as someone who's spent a lot of time reading about the history of the game is that Baseball is always supposedly in trouble. And this goes literally back to the 19th century. And, and every decade since, I can find stories saying that baseball is in trouble. You know, the 1950s were just about the only time when there weren't supposedly dire threats to the game. And that is, to, to some large degree, it's because uh, neither professional basketball or particularly football had become massively popular yet. But even then, you had a bunch of teams in the 50s who were moving because they couldn't sell tickets. So it, it's always been it's an ongoing story. The one thing that, that is absolutely, one thing we know for sure is that the franchise values keep going up and up and up, just like they do in the other 
major sports. There doesn't seem to be an upper limit to what people are willing to pay to acquire one of these franchises. Um, Certainly the attendance has been down a little bit last couple of years since COVID, basically. It took a hit. Uh, No question about that. But the revenues and the franchise values keep going up. Now, maybe that's not the question you're asking. There's another question to be asked, and that's how healthy is the actual game itself? Not the finances, but the game. I think they're actually making some progress, um, especially with the pace of play initiative. Now, I still think the strikeout rates are higher than anybody thinks they should be or anybody who uh, enjoys the uh, more traditional game with more batted balls in play, but they are doing some things to work on the pace of play, cut the game times down a little bit. It's done done amazing things in the minor leagues on that. And, And by the way, speaking of the minor leagues, professional baseball and collegiate summer baseball and college baseball are all thriving all over the country, more than perhaps more than at any time since, I don't know, the 1940s before the minor leagues contracted significantly. So uh, there, are, there are a lot of positive things happening out there in baseball, and you can't just look at TV ratings in particular markets or attendance in particular markets or what the stands look like in April and May before school lets out. Um, a lot of people are going to ball games, and a lot of people are making a lot of money. Rob, what you know? If, if we're building a stadium, you and I are sitting around, and the 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 experts come to us and say, "How many seats in the stadium?" I know you're a data mm-hmm. and analytics guy. What's about the right size for a ballpark these days? Well, to some degree, that depends on the market. But even big cities are building relatively small stadiums. I believe that the two in New York now are somewhere between forty-two and forty-five thousand. Now, part of the reason for that is that they build so many luxury suites and other special areas that it's more difficult to pack the seats. Also, we, seats are bigger now because we're bigger. So you're somewhat, that limits you a little bit, but they also like to have a number of seats that create some level of scarcity so people feel like they can't wait until the last minute to get a ticket for that big game. So they, so they, so they are sort of, inspired to buy season tickets or buy for all the games they want to go to before the season starts. I think that in a market like ours, like Portland, I think somewhere between 35, 40,000 max is where you would want to be. And, you know, there's some good things about that. That means there aren't any really terrible seats or very few. It means you can build on a somewhat smaller footprint than if you're building a 45 to 50,000 seat stadium. It means you're, when you are there, it feels a bit more intimate. So I, I like this trend. I, I don't think I would care for it a great deal if I was in New York because that means you can be frozen out of games, big games anyway. But in a market like Portland, I think thirty-five to 40000 is perfectly appropriate. We're talking to the West Coast League Baseball Commissioner, Rob Nyer, author, uh, former media member uh, and uh, a disciple of Bill James. Tell me what hooked you on baseball. What is it about the game of baseball that that got Rob Nyer's uh, Rob Nyer interested? Well, as a kid, I loved every sport. I played everything. None of them particularly well, but I loved sports. I loved watching sports. When I was seven, I was a massive Minnesota Vikings fan, and and, and but loved to play every sport. And then. When I moved to Kansas City, 
1976. I was about to turn nine years old. And I wasn't a big baseball fan because the places where I lived, the, the teams weren't all that good or uh, there weren't passionate fan bases. But when I got to Kansas City, the Royals were everywhere. It's all anybody talked about. The Chiefs were way down. Nobody cared about the Chiefs at that point. Uh, they had a basketball team, the Kansas City Kings, who were not particularly popular. But the Royals were just massively popular. And then they were also successful. They were the first expansion franchise that really was competitive right out of the gate for year after year. And 1976, that happened to be their first playoff season. And it was a religion, essentially. And I got caught up in it like everybody else did. I, I That fall, I'd only been a Royals fan for six months, five months. But that fall, I cried when, when uh, Chris Shambliss beat the Royals in the, the bottom of the ninth inning in game five with a walk-off home run. And I was, I've was been hooked ever since. Bill James, ahead of his time, you know, when you look at what everybody's doing now with uh, analytics and data, um, you know, he, was he the first in your mind, or what did he stumble upon that maybe hadn't been talked about in baseball? Because I just remember it being such a novelty. Well, what Bill did that nobody had ever done before on a built didn't invent that many original things. He put a lot of different numbers and uh, statistics uh, in his books, wrote about them, and oftentimes he was, I wouldn't say recycling, because in some cases he didn't know that he was, that these had existed before, but there was a long tradition of sabermetrics, where they, not that they were called that, going back to the early part of the 20th century. Uh, people were doing a lot, some pretty interesting analysis. It just didn't gain a lot of currency. It wasn't all that popular, but people did these things. There, there was an article in the 1920s about how batting average is overrated, and you should look at on-base percentage instead. So a lot of these, the ideas weren't particularly new. What Bill did bring was a writing style that gained an audience for these ideas. And even, I think, more substantively, Bill would take these things that people were just saying about baseball as if they were facts and then go find out if they were facts, if they were true. Uh, just the one that pops into my head is people used to love to say in the 1970s that base runners don't steal off the catcher. They steal off the pitcher, right? That's a cliche. It's still around a little bit, but it was something that was said routinely um, and there were dozens of these things. If you watched a baseball game, you watched the game of the week on Sunday afternoon, you would hear dozens of these old saws about baseball repeated by the broadcasters, many of them ex-players, super intelligent people who knew a ton about the game. But they repeated things without any actual evidence to back them up other than the, what they'd seen with their own eyes and what they'd been told. They would take all these things, and actually go check. And nobody's ever done that before. And I think that's really why people people like me gravitated to him, because uh, the answer, sometimes the answer was, yeah, that actually is the truth. And oftentimes it was no. Actually, the, they don't steal off the pitcher a little bit, sure, but it's mostly the catcher. The catcher has a larger influence on whether stolen bases are successful or not. So there were dozens of these things, and they were in all of Bill's books over the course of a decade plus. And if you read Bill James, you could start seeing the game in 
brand new ways, and that's really exciting, or was for me anyway. Yeah, I always had this idea that Bill James, you know, sitting around with a calculator or, you know, some kind of uh, complex equation in front of him. You spent time with him uh, and know him. Uh, what What is Bill James like? Well, so your your perception to some degree is true. Bill also loves to go to the ballpark and loves the game, loves talking to players and you know, one of the things that I have always shared with Bill is I love the numbers and the statistics, the analysis. I also love the history of the game and being at the ballpark and just sitting there enjoying a game on a, a, a cool summer evening. I'll give you one quick story about Bill on the analytical side. Uh, when I worked for Bill, this was in the early 90s, the Royals traded for Kevin McReynolds. Uh, and... I was, at that point, still a passionate Royals fan, obsessive, and I was really excited. Kevin McReynolds, wow. for people who don't remember, Kevin McReynolds was a pretty good hitting outfielder in the late 80s and early 90s. Not a great player, but a good player with the Mets. And the Royals traded for him, and I got super excited. And uh, now Kevin McReynolds, I knew better uh, intellectually. When you trade for Kevin McReynolds, it usually doesn't work out because Kevin McReynolds was past his prime. Late 20s. He was already in, I believe, his either very late 20s or early 30s by then. That's when players generally start declining. Bill went into his office. He didn't really say anything. Went into his office, shut the door. A couple of hours later, I heard his printer. And this is one of those old dot matrix printers. Some people listening probably remember those. They made a lot of noise, and you could hear it. <laughs> and Bill came out of his office. He had a stack of paper about a half an inch thick, and it was the printout of the study he had just put together of players like Kevin McReynolds. You know, here, here are guys like Kevin McReynolds. Here's what they do next. And guess what? It wasn't all that exciting. And that was Bill. He would just take something that was out there in the air, whether it was something he heard on the radio or on television or something that I said in the office, and then he would go find out. Rob Nyer with us, West Coast League Commissioner now. Uh, he's written a, a, a wheelbarrow full of books, and including uh, helping on the Dale Scott, the uh, Umpire is Out book. We've had Dale on the show. Rob, let me ask you about West Coast League Baseball, Summer Collegiate Baseball League. Great talent. You were talking about British Columbia, Alberta, Washington, Oregon. Uh, where can people see this league, and, and you know who does it speak to, really? It is for, for people who just want to go out and catch a game, very economically, incredibly talented college players. You really can't beat the West Coast League. We have the best summer weather in America, in my opinion. So that's great, especially once it stops raining in mid to late June. Uh, we have tremendous ballparks. We've got a triple-A stadium up in up in Edmonton starting last year and then all the way down to 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 uh, Walker Stadium at Lentz Park right here in Portland and many places in between uh, I mean I, I I can't even run through all 16 cities I could run through all 16 cities I can't remember the names of all the stadiums but they've all got their charms and if I weren't the commissioner I would just plan a trip to go out uh, spend two or three weeks and just travel around and 
see eight or ten or twelve of our of our of our teams playing in their stadiums because they're just such beautiful settings. Portland Pickles, by the way, for people wondering, June, July, mainly uh, when the West Coast League will play, Woodbat League, and uh, the college coaches swear by it. Rob Nyer, I appreciate you joining us, giving us some of your expertise and your background. And for people interested in the West Coast League, you can follow them by going to westcoastleague.com or follow them on social media on Twitter, WCL Baseball, at WCL Baseball. Rob Nyer, thank you, man. I appreciate you. John, it's always my pleasure. Thank you. There he is, Rob Nyer. He's the commissioner now. Commissioner Nyer. Like, if I was a commissioner of a uh, baseball league, I'd be like, uh, you know, in the movie uh, The Natural. You know, Robert Redford had to go meet with the owners. He had to go up to the owner's box, and he had the shades drawn. It was all dark, and the guy's smoking a cigar. That's what I'd be doing if I were Rob Nyer. Leave it here. You got the BFT. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.